back to BeYoungMinistry.com to another blog and to another podcast. Welcome to those who access the podcast through Rumble, Spotify, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts. Today we continue in our study of the book of Genesis. We're in chapter 2, verses 24 through 25, which reads, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. That's Genesis chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. Today we conclude our study of Genesis chapter 2, where God has completed his work of creation by forming the first family, now that he has brought Eve to Adam. The foundation to any good and operative society is found in the solidity of the nuclear family. The solidity of such is measured by the walk of each family member with the Lord. A family that is godly is a family that is defined by God. Largely, as the marriage goes, so goes the family, and as the family goes, so goes society. In verse 24 of today's passage, we read, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. The first verse of today's passage sets the stage for the bonds of marriage, which have followed man down throughout the ages. The word joined means stick together like glue. This word is also used to describe the Old Testament woman Ruth, the Moabitess, who joined herself to her mother-in-law, refusing to leave her after the death of her husband, Malon. When we read, a man shall be joined to his wife, it is the man who joins his wife like glue. God has given the husband the responsibility to hold tightly to his wife, and if he demonstrates the kind of loving power reflected in this verse, she will naturally want to be held by him. The relationship must begin by severing one relationship so as to solidify another relationship. A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. The idea behind marriage is permanence. This idea of two people coming together and making a commitment to one another and determining to be together permanently is at its root. It could be translated welded together or bound inextricably together. God's idea of a marriage relationship is that it is ongoing, permanent, resulting in the weaving of the two into one. This is much more than physical. However, when a man and a woman come together physically, it is a physical expression of the spiritual and soul oneness that should be happening. The phrase, they shall become one flesh, indicates that this is a two-way union where both partners work at achieving oneness with one another. And the best way oneness is achieved is through selflessness. The Hebrew word for joined indicates that the responsibility is primarily the husband's. When God breathed life into man, there was 
the intimate connection of God to man. That was lost through sin. But when God regenerates us with his Holy Spirit, that intimate connection is reestablished. It is the same with man and woman. A connection is lost between the two, and a void exists until the two are joined again in marriage. What man lost in the rib, he regained in the wife. In verse 25 of today's passage, we read, And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. God created man and woman. They were naked and they were not ashamed. God created them in a state of beauty and perfection, and there was nothing to cause them to hide from each other or from God. Nakedness implies more than just the possibility of shame. It also implies there was nothing that could harm them. The temperature would have been perfect. None of the animals were a threat. They were naked, secure, and they were also unashamed. Nakedness and not being ashamed is the product of true intimacy. Adam and Eve were naked and not ashamed. And it's more than just physical. There was a psychological vulnerability, a trust where they could completely be themselves and hide nothing. And there was no fear of reprisal. The disease of self had not yet raised its ugly head. As a result, they enjoyed intimacy, that is, until sin entered the relationship. And then they sought to hide from one another and from God. Adam and Eve weren't ashamed because evil had not invaded their space. They didn't even know any evil. They didn't know that sexual desire could be perverted and twisted. They didn't know that it could be used for wicked purposes. But it just doesn't happen in the arena of sex. It happens in every vulnerable arena, especially the emotional arena. They didn't have any wicked thoughts running around in their imaginations. They had no capacity to feel shame because they didn't know evil at all. Before sin entered the realm of the garden, Adam and Eve had nothing to hide. That all changed when sin gave birth to shame, which is produced by the consciousness of selfishness. We feel shame in our lives as sinners because we have evil thoughts caused by selfishness. Before their evil selves were awakened, there was an unmatched beauty in the shameless wonder of the original marriage. And Adam and Eve enjoyed to the fullest their shameless oneness. God had given them the perfect environment and they experienced perfect love and trust. Recently, I heard an atheist ask how God could create a world where children get bone cancer. If I had been in a position to respond to that atheist, I would have said God did not create a world like that. Evil has no existence of its own. It is really the absence of good. Evil is like darkness, which really does not exist. It is the absence of light. 
Evil is the absence of God. God did not create evil. He allowed evil, the possibility. God created things that had free will. That meant they could have gone wrong or right. Some people think they can imagine a creature which was free but had no possibility of going wrong, but I can't. If a thing is free to be good, it's also free to be bad. And free will is what has made evil possible. No one should be angry at God that he created a being that could choose opposite of him. Love cannot exist in that context. It can't thrive in a context where there is not free will and subsequent choice. I close today's study with a quote from C.S. Lewis. There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done, or those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. All that are in hell, choose it. Without that self-choice, there could be no hell. No soul that seriously and constantly desires joy will ever miss it. Those who seek to find, those who knock, to them it is open. My friends, I trust this blog and this podcast are helping you in your walk with the Lord. If I can be of further assistance to you, shoot me an email at bmministry at gmail.com. Hey, have a great day.